Today on Laura Lynn and Friends. We are living in a fascinating time. Time where people have to choose between good and evil. Well, hello everyone and welcome to the beginning of the last days. It's going to be amazing because we're going to go through it together. And uh, I had the privilege of meeting this wonderful woman today. Uh, her name was Agnes and we were at the bank and um, uh, and she said, are you Laurel Lynn Tyler Thompson? And I said, yes, and she's from Poland. And so we had just a wonderful talk outside the bank and greeted one another and gave each other a hug because we're allowed. <laughs> and uh, I still have two tickets from being outside in Saskatchewan not wearing a mask with more than 10 people. <laughs> and no one got COVID, by the way, from that. And there is actually no way, that, that, you know, there's no, um, there's no proof of any transmission outdoors anyways, but whatever. Uh, it was wonderful to meet this beautiful lady, and she's standing today with Pastor Archer, and we're going to get into what's going on with Pastor Arter Pulowski today. I opened my dad's Bible. Um, he passed away, and I love to read uh, the things that he thought was important. Because we're going to be talking largely about children today, I thought, I wonder if he thought that that verse in Luke, that passage in Luke was important about kids, and it's, it'd be better to tie a millstone around your neck than hurt a child. And uh, lo and behold, here it is. If it were better for him um, that I might start at one. Then said he unto the disciples, so this is Jesus, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. We're going to have trouble. We're going to have hurts. But woe unto the person through whom it comes. If it were better for him that a millstone were hung about his neck, and he was cast into the sea, then that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother trespasses against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. I, I find that interesting that it says, if he repents, forgive him. You know, we're always talking about, you know, forgiveness. Um, forgiveness, when someone asks you to forgive them, that's when you really have to consider that maybe you should be forgiving them. Um, if someone doesn't ask for forgiveness, I believe it's in your best interest, in your heart, to forgive them in your heart and to release all of that vile, uh, you know, the vile feelings that come with all of that, and that forgiveness is important. But forgiveness, um, it seems even in the Word that the Lord says that if you don't repent, He doesn't forgive us. So isn't it interesting? that sometimes forgiveness is very dependent on repentance, the person who offended. Very, very interesting. However, it says this, And if he trespasses against you seven times a day, and seven times in a day turns again to you, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. So, we're all about forgiveness on this show, but I'll tell you something. Once I know you're a scorpion, a viper, or an evil, deceptive manipulating satanic slime, uh, probably you're not going to be on my list of people coming over to my home for dinner. And actually, you might not even regret that because I'm not the, the best cook. But anyways, we do want to be forgiving. forgiving. And uh, our government maybe needs to show a little grace with what our country has been through. And I want to go to now Archer Pulowski, 
Uh, we sent a cameraman, uh, the wonderful Scott, to go and get some video this morning. It was so cold, his camera freezed up, but he was able to pull out his phone and get some things and let us know. So Pastor Art, he's in the courts today in Lethbridge. This is what happened this morning. We are living in a fascinating time. Time where people have to choose between good and evil. It's unbelievable that this is happening in our nation and our province, how we've come to this low point, a low point in history again. So the, the point of today is to stand together, uh, to fight for one another in truth and love and with God. This is a trial of the century. We are here because I have been accused of a serious crime for my church sermon to the trackers and farmers last year in Coos. The Crown Prosecutor accused me of causing Canadian economy over $400 million worth of damages. They were uh, talking about uh, me inciting people to commit acts of violence against other people. Totally insanity, mischief over 5,000, breach of probation. Uh, so the status um, not only prosecuting me, the but they're persecuting me. This was my fifth arrest. Of course, I spent 50 days in jail, and today is the grind, ground showdown, if you will, uh, with this uh, craziness of tyranny in our beloved Canada. This case is very serious, if not the most serious case so far, because freedom of expression, freedom of religion, freedom of association, Freedom of speech, everything that we stand as Canadian for is on trial. If I go down, Canada effectively will have no freedom of religion, no freedom of expression at all. Anyone can and would be then arrested for simply delivering a message, delivering a sermon or doing a rally or a protest. Um, so what we're finding out, absolutely, um, Pastor Art is correct. If if he goes down, if he is not allowed to speak the truth, if he's not allowed to have free speech, to proclaim the gospel, um, and, and they try, try to twist this, it's a very bad and dark day for Canada, and we pray that does not happen. So Ezra Levant has been reporting from the courthouse, and they have several courtrooms. They have chosen to use the courtroom that has only 30 people allowed in it rather than another courtroom that has 150 people allowed in it. So they are minimizing, you know, and trying to make it look like he has less support or whatever, not, not giving access to his supporters. Clearly you can see there's a lot of people who would love to be sitting and listening to what is going on, but they've limited it. Um, and we do have a tweet here from Ezra, and it says, uh, you're not going to believe this, I'm dead serious. The government of Alberta, through its Justice Department, through this disgraceful prosecutor, Stephen Johnston, is comparing Pastor Archer's sermon to the genocide of Rwanda. I swear to God, he has done that twice now. So thank you, Ezra, for reporting. Uh, we're hearing that the defense is now up for Pastor Archer. So we just... Um, we just pray and believe for the defense of this man and the fight that he's had and for his wife, Marzena, his children, 
that they would be protected, that God would heal our country, and that the freedom to proclaim the gospel, the freedom to speak, the freedom for goodness sakes to feed the homeless when they need to be fed. Yes, during a pandemic, outside, the virus can't even survive out there. <laughs> he, he did amazing things. And uh, he went to Coots, he, he did a speech there, he proclaimed the gospel. Uh, he did not do anything like a speech that should be able to be compared to the Rwandan genocide, where they called um, the Tutsis cockroaches and maligned them and dehumanized them, no. Pastor Archer has a very good way of calling out what is actually going on and our country. Do you, know, do you know who spoke of this this morning was this woman that I met out on the streets here in British Columbia, a woman who says she's from a communist place and she had tears in her eyes as she said, when I look back at what we were going through then, it's come here, we are there. That is terrifying. So we stand with Pastor Arter and we pray for God's protection, his vindication, and God's justice today over him. Just before we go into an amazing uh, interview today with my dear friend, uh, Dr. Ann Gillies, um, I think uh, we're going to show, well, I'd like to show that some very evil things are going on. Have you seen this, the Satanic Temple TST? Uh, they believe that killing unborn babies is a religious ritual similar to Christians, communion, or baptism. Uh, they've opened a new service, TST Health, to promote abortions, and they aim to expand the religious ritual service to states where abortion has been banned. So this is actually going on. And you know what? You don't hear an awful lot about protests or, uh, or, or people even having charges or being arrested for such things. I also want to say to you that I've had word this morning, um, my heart's been heavy, so oh, I've just been emotional driving, hearing about this, but basically in Ontario, uh, it looks like a woman, she had um, a pregnancy 38 weeks. Um, this precious little boy, he was killed this morning by lethal injection. Even though this precious addicted wo woman, a mom, she was told that people would adopt her baby boy. She said no today, and a 38-week baby, his life was terminated this morning. So I got this from some people who have been praying. And so we know. I kind of wonder when we have a country that has lost all moral backbone and does not value life. Is it any wonder that made is exploding? Giving people the option to kill themselves, that's popular. Even suggesting it to people who are having a hard time. Well, have you considered 
killing yourself in a country where we have not embraced life, the life that God has given us. I do believe we're in a season of judgment. But the good news is, everyone, the judgment is not on us. The judgment shall be on them. The righteous shall be preserved. The righteous shall stand. We will flourish in this desert. But for those who are doing these very evil things, God will deal with them. Is there anything else I should deal with before we head to the thing, uh, the statue? Yes, we also have this picture of uh, this statue. Um, and it has gone up. I mean, just pure satanic evil. This, this is uh, very symbolic. Um, do we have the write-up on it? Because I, I had been reading about it, but I don't have that in front of me. No? So I sent these pictures, and I didn't. Yeah, okay. Um, and do you remember what building this has been put up? It's a, it's a substantial monument. I don't know if it's outside of a Washington place. Maybe look at the feet. The feet are all bizarro world and like tentacles, yeah. And the, the whole headdress and all of that. So the, this has been put in a very prominent place. Let's find out by the end. I'm sorry, I probably just sent you the picture and not the whole thing. Um, it, it looks like our world is going to hell in a handbasket and, you know, a pure evil is completely accepted while those who stand up for what's right, you know, for religious freedom, freedom of speech, for security, for life, you know, they're the ones being persecuted in our nation. It's a, it's a sad day. It really is. And, you know, as we go to... Um, our interview, I'm going to be inviting uh, Ann Gillies to come on here, and I'll, I'll tell you, uh, you know, one of the amazing things that I love about those who I know are that they are willing to put themselves on the line, to be honest, to talk about what is going on. And she has written a book on predators, the predators that are amongst us, the predators that we are seeing every single day in our world. Uh, they're in our children's schools. Pedophilia is on the rise. And for those people that are putting themselves in harm's way, the government harm's way, because the government is trying to have bills and legislation and laws that will silence those who dare to speak the truth on all of these issues, transgenderism um, and pedophilia. And it, it's not an easy place to be. Anne E. Gillies, Ph.D., received her call to ministry in 1982, and her passion basically has come from Isaiah 61, 1-3. She spent over 25 years in private counseling practice, working extensively with trauma survivors, seeing lives restored and transformed. Uh, she retired from practice in 2019 to focus on advocacy and political reform for the traumatized those struggling with unwanted sexual attractions, and for the most vulnerable, our children. And our children are definitely in harm's way at this time. So Anne Gillies, Dr. Anne Gillies, I'd just like to welcome you to the show. Thank you very much for being here today. And uh, thank you for your service. Uh, it hasn't been easy. I know you've been through some fire, but you're willing to speak out. Tell me about your book and what caused you to write your next book. Thanks for having me, Laura Lynn. Um, yeah, um, well, 
uh, we first on me and said, you have to write your story. Um, just before I get into this, I want to say to people, my uh, internet is freezing a bit. So I'll try, if I see it freezing, I will stop talking until it unfreezes. I'll try and navigate this. So, um, so yeah, uh, I had this little bit of pressure and said, you've got to write your book. You've got to write this story. And so I did. It was my sons have chapters in this book. Um, another um, a specialist who works uh, specifically uh, for, he worked a long time in the penal system in the US with pedophiles. He was hired by the government to work with pedophiles. He has tremendous knowledge in this area. My knowledge comes from personal experience. So um, this book is our family story. It's, it's so important for people to understand what is out there, what is in even some of your homes, and certainly what was in my home uh, when my children were growing up. So, um, right. the first so what thing, happened, Dan? What happened well, in your home? Uh, yeah, under my watch, but I wasn't, uh, I never knew what was going on. Um, first of all, the first is my personal story. And so when I married my first husband, we'd been married for about a year. And then uh, we moved to Vancouver, actually. And he disclosed to me that he'd had a homosexual affair. And it's so interesting. You started with what you started with about forgiveness, Laura Lynn, because uh, I was a new believer and I, I, you asked for forgiveness. He, he said, I am so sorry. It won't happen again. You know? Um, and I thought, you know, we're newly married. We had a baby. And so we, so I, I just chose to forgive him. I knew nothing about setting boundaries and counseling in those days. Who knew about it? Like, I didn't know anything about counseling and he wouldn't have probably gone anyway so I keep going on um so we we stayed in vancouver about six years there was a, another incident that i knew of that he left for three or four days and i have no idea where he was he came back home and he he'd been uh, at gay bars the whole weekend and i mean this was so foreign to me but he was Weeping, will you please forgive me? So I'm like, okay. By this time, I had three little children. And I did go to the pastor, actually, and talked to him about what was going on. And the response was not helpful. And I'm not saying that this is typical of churches. I I mean, it in the 80s, is. probably was in the 80s for sure, because they didn't. Didn't know what to do. Unfortunately, said to me, "Well, he sinned against God, not you." And I, I'm like, "Well, well that's not true. <laughs> what he did is a violation of our marriage covenant. And yeah, it's a sin, like any other sexual sin. But he violated our marriage covenant, anyways. But you know, life went on, and I made a decision that because we had three young." 
children for 14 years. And, you know, um, was that the right decision? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It wasn't the right decision for me personally, although I've survived that, but it was the wrong decision because of what my kids were experiencing that I had no idea about. And so you know, if you had to go back and you would say that you would um, have made a different decision and ended the, the marriage. Uh, yeah, yeah. I probably wouldn't have done it after the first time, you know, I am all about grace. Um, and I know some of you women out there are going, are you kidding me? You know, he didn't, uh, he violated your covenant, but with a man, no less instead of, and that was really hard. I have Confusing. to say, yeah, mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, this is pretty sad, but, um, um, the purpose of life is personal sexual freedom. There's no limits. And looking back, I, I can see the trajectory of, of this pedophile. I mean, the long story, I'll, I better not shorten it because I, I want to give you the whole kind of scenario. Um, we, I, we ended up moving north in BC. Uh, um, he came home and uh, this time he said to me, I found someone new. I love him and I love you too. And I'm like, this is kind of like wake up in this is, this is who he, he, it's not who he is. He is making choices, believe me. And he had all the right reasons to make the right choices. So anyways, um, my heart kind of, that was kind of like, okay, there's some, this isn't going to change. It still took us three years, it took me three more years, which I, oh, I just so regret now to actually kick him out. And then, uh, fast forward, um, when I remarried, so that was after another three years or whatever, two, two months after I, I, I was the kindest, gentlest, uh, most wonderful man that, I could have ever, uh, God could have ever given me. Two months after, um, my youngest son from the first marriage told us that his biological father had been sexually abusing him. Wow. It was like my world fell apart. I, I was just, I was, how could I miss this? How could I not was called time not only for my children but for me and the guilt and it probably took me i mean i kept asking the lord to just lift that guilt off me because i knew i couldn't live under it but it was hard because these were my these were my babies and this this man had manipulated me but worse than that he had manipulated our children and um he hadn't worked the last five years years for a marriage he was kind of the nice guy, just great guy. He vacuumed the house. He was making the meals because I was at work and I was working two jobs and, and, um, what he was doing. Well, let me, let me share what he was doing. Um, so hold on to your, your shirt tails. Um, this is one of my son's, um, his, one of his chapters, and I'm just going to read a few lines from it. 
but when we lived in Vancouver, where I was born and lived until I was two years old. It continued. And um, when we moved back to Ontario, a few years later, it continued and escalated. Dad's brutal abuse escalated when he began to the house working and the other kids were at school. There were three or four guys who regularly visited to have sex with my dad. And then they would rape me. Sometimes only one of them, sometimes all of them. My dad would make me watch them all have sex and then force me to comply with their wishes. My son probably started in, uh, in Ontario around uh, five or six years old. He'd already suffered uh, from the time he was a toddler. And he, when he was remembering, and I was writing this down for him, he even remembered the names of the two men in Vancouver. And he wasn't even two years old at that time, which I was blown away by because children typically don't remember. Hmm. Well, can we press, can we get charges? It was those trauma memories. Can we get charges pressed or has anything like that ever happened? Well, we, we did. Um, the police told us it was the worst case uh, because that's just, that just touches, scratches the surface. They told us, um, it was the worst case of child abuse they had ever encountered. And they, we did go to court. And we only need uh, my son's testimony. There were others um, that he had raped and they would have testified, but the Crown said, no, we only need your sons. It is so solid. And uh, they lied to us because the judge acquitted my former husband. Here's the judge's words. You know, some things are seared in your mind. And I said this last night on this. I totally believe your son, but I can't totally disbelieve your former husband. I mean, I just, my jaw just dropped. Well, of course, he said some truthful words, the and and. You know, I was so livid. I've never been so angry in my life. And yeah. I mean, I just, I was, I was so hurt for my, my son. He'd just been through. Like, you know, he was having to testify. He was 11 years old. It was horrid. And, and the problem horrid. here too, is that our society is seeing more and more of this and these pedophile rings, uh, we're, we're seeing, oh. uh, you know, people being charged with all kinds of things and um, it it's growing and it, it's coming out and it's bubbling up to the surface and we can no longer deny that these predators are, are basically everywhere and pro problematically they're in our schools largely as well. Oh, huge. And, you know, Laura Lynn, before about 2010, um, we never heard of sex trafficking, you know, it, it was there, but it wasn't on the scale it is now. We never heard of transgender. I mean, there was transsexuals, um, but no transgender. And 
and current schools. This is all about um, a recalibrating of children's brains and adults. It's all propaganda. And there is so much stuff out there, um, you know, but it, it goes back for many years. And I mean, in closing the floodgates, I talk a lot about Kinsey in the first few chap in the first two or three chapters and the University of Indi Indiana. And Kinsey was the guy who did all of and these terrible, yeah, he did all of these terrible, um, you know, yeah. tests and, and, and stuff and then wrote exactly. about it and, you know, uh, just absolutely sickening, disgusting, and sort of received by mainstream as, you know, oh, look at the great research he did to figure this out. I mean, obviously, they abuse children um, in order to, to do that, uh, you know, to that, do that research and research that they did. And so um, your your internet oh. is so difficult. And but um, I, uh, I think that maybe we should try to, yeah, um, get you on another time because it's just like it's doing it every minute or whatever but uh i still want to i want you to just plow through um and, okay. and get the word out because we're we're kind we can kind of wait you know that second but it's just i'm so sad about your internet it's really i'm struggling. sorry yeah that's okay so you so your family's yeah. been through this and uh and as you wrote this book you're combining your family story with what you are also seeing happen in society. Yeah. Yeah, there's uh, chapters also from a couple other people that I interviewed, um, one in the music industry and one in the fashion industry, and they tell their stories. Um, um, both of them, uh, they were high up in their fields and so they know what they're talking about. So their stories are powerful, but it's all over. It's everywhere. Protecting your children means getting them out of the schools. Don't give them cell phones. Monitor what they're watching. I mean, you have to be hypervigilant now, and that's a horrible thing to say. But oh, your yes, children. You do. Everyone's giving their kids cell phones. Like you can access precious. the darkest places, right? With with cell phones, and and we're literally handing a loaded gun to to children to have these cell phones. And we think, you know, society has just come to accept that that that's just standard. It's unbelievable. You know, I held my kids off the longest I could, getting the cell phone, talking to them about the dangers, talking to them about you know real things that they should be. Yeah, yeah, there was no smartphones at that time. That's right. That's how far far back it was. So they weren't actually, you know, <laughs> being able even at the young ages to do that. But you're so right, um, Dr. Ann, that um, if, um, the, give, you know, if you're a parent, like being vigilant, being vigilant about what they are accessing. Um, yeah. Internet can be turned off in a home, let's say, at a certain hour if you get one of those internet protectors. We used to have them. On, on our um, home service. The other thing, uh, one of the things that, um, and we maybe have talked about this before, Laurelyn, is uh, the whole area of pedophilia and academia and, and the media. And it, it goes back a while. Like in 2014, the New York Times declared that pedophilia isn't um, a disorder, is a, um, 
sorry. And so they're saying, okay, well, it's not a choice. It's a neurological deficiency. Something's wrong neurologically. So where have you heard so that before? So they're just minor attracted now. Yes. Well, and you know, if it's no longer a choice, then that's where, where the born that way comes in. So that's what they're doing with the transgender now. Yeah. You know, we're that's born in the wrong body. LGBTQ thing. You're born that way. So oh, now you're you can be born to you know as a pedophile. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, you know, if we do not agree, then we're canceled. I said uh, last night as well. If if we do not crawl up on the altar of all of this uh, activist, it's it's propelled by activists and politicians. And if we do not sacrifice on that altar, then we are canceled in Canada. Uh, They are trying to annihilate Christians. Right. And tell me some of the dangers that's happening. Like you, you, if you speak what you believe to be true uh, from your training, from your religious beliefs, from your experience, if you, uh, speak that you're in danger of potentially having your license revoked, going to prison, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And for me, one of the reasons I did retire because I wanted to be able to speak freely. But even that, I mean, you still uh, really, we, you and I can speak freely until they decide we no longer can you know, and because there's laws in place now that prevent us from talking about, uh, for instance, with my, my eldest son, because there were ramifications. After there's always, always effects, even though one of um, Kinsey's assistants said that incest between adults and younger children is a good thing and there's no harmful effects. Oh, yeah, right. I just, I just, oh my goodness, yes. And so um, one of my sons became a drug addict. The other ended up in the LGBTQ. Now, no, it's not. They, these men have a um, lifespan that's 20 years shorter than heterosexual men. Like, hello. There's a whole lot of problems here. Nevertheless, my son left because he got so disgusted with the promiscuous behavior. And so he sought out help. And you can't do that anymore, right? right. You, so those kind of things are are the things that we can't help as when therapists. You say, and just explain from, from uh, your expert position, uh, you can't get that kind of help anymore. What do you mean by that? So let's say uh, you want to get help for your unwanted, um, you know, same-sex attraction. Why can't you get help for that anymore? Well, because um, there's a conversion therapy loss. And so anyone, a therapist, and even a pastor who would advertise or would help advertise or even in any way promote uh, conversion therapy, which is basically um, helping someone that comes to you who, um, and they, they may come to you into your office because they want to deal with trauma. And then, um, and for my son, 
he didn't go to the community, not at first. He went because he wanted to reduce um, the same sex, oh, sexual activity overall. And that's why he went. And so he would not be allowed to receive help and we would not be allowed to help him. If he was heterosexual, you can right. help those people. You so know, Dr. Al, uh, I remember reading an article. I remember reading an article about a young man who had gone into the trans uh, lifestyle and had uh, gone through operations and all of that. And one of the things he said in hindsight when he realized he didn't want to be a woman anymore, he wanted to go back to being a guy uh, as he was born. Uh, one of the things he said was, why didn't anyone stop me? Why didn't anyone even have a discussion with me about, you know, what are the some of the reasons that some, some things you need to look at when you're considering doing this? Uh, some of the pitfalls. Why didn't anybody cause me to think about this? And, and the reason is very prevalent now that we're not allowed. Apparently, you know, you can get fines. You can get imprisoned. This is where they're going. Even parents... Uh, you know, can get in a lot of yes. trouble. If you're not just going to sell yourself out to this whole ideology, then our society is going to put the crackdown on us. And that's exactly right. Now, saying that, um, there, we've not been able to talk about those individuals who have left the LGB and now the T. Um, but you know there are a lot of people out there who have left and you know scientifically research wise young people who start down that road often by the time they're in the mid-20s but we never hear about them yes they, we don't hear about i them think you said they've changed their minds yeah. I, yes. Yes. They've come. They've come out of it. Um, and uh, I think that we should. Uh, um, I'll just give you an opportunity to to wrap it up, and then let's do this again uh, when you're back at home and your internet is perfect. Because I I know that this is very powerful. We have a lot of people watching right now, and we want to let them know how to get your book because we're all dealing with this. And <coughs> today I'm going to be having. Uh, Mark Friesen's going to come on and talk about a situation going on in Saskatchewan. We have situations going on in all of our provinces um, because what you're writing about is is it. That is what we are, that it is the worst evil and demonic assault against our society that there is. And it's absolutely horrendous. And you've got, you're kind of at the right time at the right moment with what you're writing about. Well, I have to say, Laura Lynn, I would never have chosen this road, right? Uh, most of us wouldn't. I, I wouldn't wish what I've experienced on anyone, but I know that other people are out there that have experienced similar things. And for those who are trauma, I want to tell you there's hope. There's, there's good therapists out there um, to help with child abuse, but there is a holy God. He, he is amazing. I would never have been able to get through it, my life without a relationship with Jesus. There's no way. There's no way. I needed someone to lean on.
And that truly is the and answer. All time. And that is yes. important. He is. He yes. is. So I'm, ha I'm happy to come back. I'm very sorry about the internet. <laughs> I'm sorry too, because it's, <laughs> it's really hard, Dr. Ann, and this is such an important story. And uh, what, what you're actually uh, doing in exposing all of this is so important. Uh, we've got some really bad stuff coming down. Sex trafficking, like you say, um, literally, uh, I was reading something about um, how many children are going missing every year, like just literally missing. And part of it is all related to these pedophile rings. Uh, we have judges, lawyers, doctors, uh, teachers, very high up members of society, completely living a double life. And we don't know who they are necessarily. Sometimes we begin finding out, but then it's very hard to prosecute because they're all protecting themselves. And we've got a problem, a very big problem. I'll give you the final word, Anne. Well, um, I wanna say you're absolutely right. Prosecuting is a huge issue. So watch your children, uh, be hypervigilant, say no to them. If, um, if they're asking for things that you know in your heart um, that it's not good for them, be a parent. Don't be afraid to parent and bless. Thank you. Thank bless you. you all. God bless you. Uh, thank you for taking your very tragic story and, um, and allowing us to see the vulnerability of it and allowing it to help our nation. Thank you. And we'll talk to you again really soon. Take care. Bye, Laura Lynn. Bye-bye. So in keeping with this very difficult topic, and I, I'm sorry about the internet, but uh, Dr. Gilly's book is absolutely phenomenal. So she's also got the other book, Closing the Floodgates, and that is also um, from her expertise as um, a counselor and many, many years of helping people with trauma therapy. But she is exposing what is going on. And we know this is happening because our schools are so sick. And I was watching about Governor Newsom down in California. Apparently his wife, this beautiful blonde lady, has created this film that is, the, the principals are saying it's not appropriate. So she sold it to every school there for $519 or whatever. You can play my film in your school to the little kids. And then she's, She's garnered millions of dollars off of that. And then they find out, then they find out that this, you know, the, the content is not appropriate for little kids. Who makes a movie? It's got nudity in it. It's got inappropriate sexual stuff, right? They're going after the children. And Governor Newsom's wife, like, God help her on Judgment Day. Like, what kind of filthy wackos? Are there out there? Oh, the Tucker? Okay, let's do the Tucker Carlson. He joked about the U.S. rescuing Canadians from Trudeau. Take a look. So I have to ask you about Canada and what we saw happen there last winter, the trucker protests yeah. and then the crackdown by the authoritarian yeah. government of Canada. What, what struck you about that? I thought you were going to ask me whether Trudeau is Castro's son. or well, if He you... very much obviously <laughs> is, and I'm completely in favor of a Bay of Pigs operation to liberate that country. I mean, why should we stand back and let our biggest trading partner, the country with which we share the longest border, and actually, I could just say a great country. I love Canada. I've always loved Canada because of its natural beauty. Why should we let it become Cuba? Like, why, why don't we liberate it? We're spending all this money to 
liberate Ukraine from the Russians, why are we not sending an armed force north to liberate Canada from Trudeau? And I mean it. Well, I don't know. But that you don't I, have to answer. Yeah, that. I, I don't know that I'm 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 there yet with you. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm just talking myself into I, a frenzy I, here. Help us send an armed force. We we would love it. Liberate us from Trudeau. You know, um, we'd love that. Okay, so what happens after uh, Tucker Carlson? And you guys know I love Tucker. We love playing his clips. He is absolutely one of the most stand-up men in North America, paying a high price. Uh, people want him fired. He gets death threats, all kinds of stuff. But um, after he says that, so then we have the NDP MP. Um, sorry, let me get back to my notes here. Matthew Green. So he then makes a failed attempt to condemn one of Tucker Carlson's sarcastic jokes about Trudeau in our parliament. They, they all get talking about this. Take a look. Or Hamilton Center, who will be getting up first. Mr. Speaker, after consultation with the parties in the House, if you seek it, I believe you will find unanimous consent for the following motion. That given the, the rise of far-right and associated violent extremism led to the attempted insurrection in the United States, the House condemns recent comments made by Fox News personality Tucker Carlson in which he suggests U.S. armed forces liberate Canada from the current Prime Minister. All those opposed to the honourable member moving the motion will please say nay. Nay, I'm afraid we don't have... Consent. <laughs> so they didn't have uh, unanimous unanimous consent uh, to deal with Tucker Carlson. So do we have Mark Friesen back? There we go. Okay, you got it working. Fantastic. Come on. It's good to see you. Yeah. Good to see you too, Lauren. Yeah. How's how's your health doing? First and foremost, we've all been to Helen back with respect to your health. So how are you feeling? Uh, good. Very good, actually. Things are uh, progressing nicely. I'm starting to get some more lung capacity and yeah. doing a little bit more exercise. So it's Excellent. it's good. It's going in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, you sound good. You look good. And so I've been seeing all this drama going on in Saskatchewan. Uh, tell me what is happening. So last week, uh, we had a mother report in some mama bear group in Saskatoon that she went to the Shaw Center, which is a, a one of our city run pools. And as her daughter was changing to go to her swimming lessons or whatever it was that she was participating in, um, there was a male in the female washroom uh, traipsing around without any underwear or swimming trunks or a towel, just walking through, um, exposing all of his parts. And so this woman uh, reported that on this Facebook page. And then somebody I know that's in that group had shown me what she had written and, uh, and the experience that they had had. And she went to the management of the, of the Shaw Center and was told that, yeah, everybody has access to all of the washrooms. It's no big deal. Um, <laughs> and, and that's when it became a big deal. Because, you know, Laura Lynn, I, uh, I spent 25 years in corrections working in prison. Um, 
I know what predators are. I know how they operate. I know how they think. And predators, like pedophiles, who get their, you know, their jollies off exposing themselves to little kids um, at a bare minimum, um, they're just waiting for an opportunity like this to take advantage of policy that allows them to enter into, you know, little girls' change rooms. And so, obviously, our city council is not interested in protecting the kids. In fact, somebody had wrote to one of their city councillors. He used to be a radio host, and now he's a city councillor. And they asked him about this and how this policy is exposing our children, our most vulnerable and, and, and women, to, to predators. And his response, I, I sent it to your producer, um, but in the response, he doesn't talk about the safety or security of the children at all. In fact, he avoids it completely um, and only addresses you know, the rights afforded transgender people um, to access public facilities. And, and our point is in all of this that the rights of our children, the security of our children, the safety of our children should be paramount over anyone else's rights. Now, this doesn't mean that we can't honor the Saskatchewan Human Rights Code by putting transgender people or men, we'll just call them, um, in appropriate change rooms where they're not exposing themselves to children. There's an easy fix to all of this, but they refuse to acknowledge that it's even a problem. And so, you know, we've, we've had to, we did a protest last Saturday. It was minus 33 with the wind chill. So it was a little chilly. God bless you. Um, but we're, we're having another one this Saturday because obviously City Hall is not getting it. They're not getting the message. They don't understand. Maybe they don't understand that, you know, predators use policies like this uh, to take advantage of and to take advantage of our kids and to, you know, sooner or later, um, our children, one of our, some of our children are going to be uh, traumatized by something like this. And, and I'm, I'm sure that they that young are. girl that was exposed to this guy was already traumatized by yep. this. They don't want to see men walking through their change room. So there should be other options. If you're going to have to honor, you know, transgender because there's a human rights code in Saskatchewan that, that makes sure that we can't keep them out. Well, then, then, then create change rooms where they can go and change uh, by themselves. So they're not, yep. you know, around kids and they're not traipsing around uh, nude. And, and, and again, when you, when you read this counselor's response, he doesn't address the safety, the security of the children whatsoever. He completely ignores the issue. Right. And I, I don't understand that. It is very clearly common sense. What's happening, Mark? Where's all the feminists? Where, where's the women <laughs> who fought for women's rights and women's safe places that are now being disregarded by men? Yeah, it's unbelievable. And where are the men? Where are the men standing up for children, standing up for women and, and girls? Where are the men that are saying, you know what, no to this? 
Like, I don't know. I, I can only speak for myself. But if I was in, and I wouldn't have been in that change room because I have a men's change room. But if I would have been there when this happened and this lady had, had said something out loud, I, I'm not quite sure I I How you wouldn't have handled addressed it. this Don't myself. say anything more. Right. <laughs> don't incriminate right. yourself. I know it's like it's so <laughs> enraging. I actually feel that my blood pressure rising talking to you about it because I'm imagining that if it were my child, you know, um, in, in there that, that this, like, this is so like, it's, it's so awful. Um, we, how we can have they allow to, this? We have to, we have to stop sacrificing our children at the altar of the woke and the trans. Like, yes. uh, I, I just don't get it. I don't understand society that I'm living in. I mean, there should be thousands of people outside the Shaw Center this coming Saturday saying no, that we have to protect our children because obviously the city government is is not. They're completely, you know, ignoring it and dismissing it. You know, and what will happen when one of these children are sexually assaulted by one of these predators or worse, then what? Is the city just gonna, you know, come up with their crocodile tears and apologize? Well, then it's too late. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Mark, are you, do you feel that enough people are getting outraged? I mean, if a society just allows this to happen, Sooner or later, you go, okay, kids, I guess we're not going to public swimming places anymore. You know what? I guess we're just not going to yeah. be involved in this nonsense. We're going to have to make alternate places. We're going to have to, you know, yeah. start setting up gym, gyms and, and uh, swimming centers where they, they care about women. They care about children. And we're going to have to go mm. there and decide that we're not going to be participating. And we have to shame these people in some way. But I'm not certain that everybody gets involved enough. I, you should have thousands of people out there. No, it's 100%. And this is the thing that people need to understand that, you know, we're not going to be able to move the dial. We're not going to be able to uh, leverage City Hall if we don't have enough people defending the children, defending their security and their safety. If, 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 if we don't have enough people that are influencing city hall's decisions then then yeah then you know i guess we just have to stop going to these places these government-run facilities um and we're talking about a province where you know we have a a, a provincial premier in scott moe and his government who actively promotes and sponsors drag queens reading to kids you know so uh, Western Standard had asked for a, a, a comment from Scott Moe and his government. And of course, he passed the buck onto the city and said, it has nothing to do with us. It's a city matter, right? Well, <laughs> you know, then, then maybe you need to make some law in the province to prevent these cities from doing this, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's so disturbing that people, when I was uh, young, um, and me and you, I mean, I'm pretty sure that I'm a fair, fair bit younger than you, Mark. But um, when, uh, when we were young, uh, it was an embarrassment if, we, if there was anything like that, that someone would be seen doing anything sexually inappropriate or standing for that. Like we would stand up against mm -hmm. that. Our teachers stood up against that if they were good people. 
that was my experience that people were standing against that. It was not being promoted and outwardly, like it's now it's in your face. And I know that you're in, um, you know, uh, you, you've been in the prisons and you've worked in there, but I just recently read a story that this one guy, he'd killed people. Then after getting charged, he then said, I'm a, I'm a woman. And then he was put into the female prison. Like all this is happening, which of course would put women prisoners at risk of a, a dude who's a murderer now being in their prison. Right. Talk about putting the fox in the hen house. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just so shocking. Do you, do you feel our it, parents pure, outraged? It's pure sanity. Uh, people and and you know just, what's interesting? Yeah. Sorry, Lord. And you know what's interesting about all of this? Is this is the contradictions that that happen because you know we're in this age right now and as part of the UN Sustainable Development Goals, one of their goals is to support and protect women and girls. Right? This is this is their one of their goals that they want to achieve. But also wrapped up in all of these goals is SOGI is you know, sexual orientation, gender identity, and, and all of this transgenderism and, and, and how it's actually putting women and girls in precarious situations. It's a 100% contradiction to what they say they want to achieve. Yes. And that's where all of this comes from. And, and I mean, even you look at our laws, uh, Section 173 of the Criminal Code makes it it, is, it makes it a criminal offense if you expose yourself in front of children or or other people, if you just expose yourself. And so we think this individual has broken the law. So we contacted the police. The police said they can't do anything until somebody files a complaint. So it, now the onus is on the victim's mother to file a complaint so the police will actually investigate something, even though they have the information that they could investigate it regardless of anybody putting in a complaint. Uh, but they choose not to because, again, city leadership, go, and this goes right to the mayor, Charlie Clark. Does it? So, so in what way is the mayor supporting this? He's, he's just not, he doesn't care about women. And well, the mayor is, is a known um, you know, leftist, hard, hard leftist. And uh, this is where it stops. This is where it has to fall. The mayor is, you know, he leads the city and he leads his council. And so he has obviously the power to put forward policy in, in this city at public facilities to stop this from happening, from stop exposing our children to predators who are taking advantage of a policy that obviously doesn't take into consideration the rights, the safety and security of our children. Well, I'm just glad that you're doing this, Mark. Um, I'm just wondering, uh, so you're, are you promoting then that you'll be out there this next weekend and moms yes, and dads, everyone should stop going to this place. You know, we, as a society, the whole community should decide, I mean, pick it at random hours all day. Like it's, I mean, easy for me to say I'm over here, you know, but if somebody is, is 
oh, like it, this is an assault on a child to have anything in their face. This is absolutely criminal. I do hope the mom would maybe do something, but um, you know, what happens is you feel all this pressure and then you just want it to go away. She'll probably never want to go there again, or she'll be standing, you know, guard a lot more for this sicko, you well, know, that's right. And so job. what happens then in these, what happens in these situations, Laura Lynn is, you know, she might file a complaint with this, with the police. And then of course it becomes public. Her name gets published. And then, you know, all of the crazy LGBTQ plus plus people. And this isn't, this isn't, LGB people. This is LGBTQ plus 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 people that will light their hair on fire. We've all we've heard that they're they're even going to run a counter protest uh, while we run ours because I guess they're in favor of putting children at risk of being uh, assaulted or sexually assaulted or or worse. Um, it's just it's just sick. So you know people are hesitant to follow through because they don't want to be, you know, sucked into the, into this leftist vortex of, of hate and, and canceling and, and, and everything else. So, you know, I'll do it every day, all day long. What, what kind, just tell me about the kind of person who wants to do a counter protest to people who are upset that a little kid has had to have somebody else's junk in their face, you know, at, at a public place of the opposite gender. What kind of people are weird and, and gross enough to, to show up to do a counter protest? No, we want kids to see that, you know, like, it's so shocking. They've all lost their ever-loving minds. You know, you can't have yes, any ma'am. respect for any of these people. There, there's no dignity in their perspective in life. It's, it's really shocking to me. And it's, it's not only, it's not only dignity. It's not only respect. But, but, is it that they don't understand the situation they're putting these kids in? Because, as I said, this isn't. This isn't about somebody's choice to pretend to be a woman and wear women's clothes. If somebody wants to do that, fill your boots, knock yourself out, I don't care. Whatever you do with yourself, that's your business. But when you create policy that predators and, and pedophiles can use to gain access to children. I mean, in Saskatoon right now, there's probably upwards of a hundred pedophiles active that are looking for an opportunity to get their jollies from kids. They've created a policy now that allows these predators because anybody who identifies as whatever they are can just access the female change room is now gaining access to everybody's children. And this is the problem. This is, these are active predators that are searching for an opportunity to assault a kid, take a kid, or even worse, murder a kid. Yeah, 100% Mark. I am just so glad that you're standing up. Uh, so where should everyone meet this weekend in Saskatchewan, in Saskatoon? So yeah, in Saskatoon at the Shaw Center, the, uh, the scene Shaw of the Center. crime. Last yeah. week we did it at City Hall. We thought maybe City Hall would be the best place, but we think this time, <laughs> We'll probably do it at the Shaw Center where it happened and, and raise some awareness. They'll be, obviously, they'll be open. 
so it'll it'll uh, it'll be some cause and effect there so uh, but again you know we need as many people as absolutely possible the weather's gonna be a lot nicer it's only gonna be minus seven on Saturday so uh, much different than it was last Saturday so there's no excuse we need everybody out there we need everybody helping defend our children yeah the fact that I even have to do this Laura Lynn drives me insane totally I why do we have to do this i know like that that we actually have to protest that no one's doing anything about little kids being assaulted visually by some predator in their bathroom right. that we have to march right. for this it's pathetic you are so right so so it's unbelievable like just, like who are we electing who are we putting in these offices that are creating policies that are putting our children at risk? And when they respond to people concerned about these policies, they don't even address the kids' safety. They don't even address the risk that they're putting these kids in. They don't even you talk know, about it. it. The kids absolutely. are secondary. Right. It makes me think that anyone who would be protecting this and not absolutely doing something about it is maybe a sicko as well. I always have that thought. Like, if you don't see that this is wrong, maybe you're weird. Maybe you are right. a predator. Maybe you're a problem. Right. I don't want to accuse anyone, right. but I don't understand who's running this place, the Shaw Center. Right. So who's running hmm. this place that has absolutely no morals or integrity to protect children and think that's important? Right. I... And it's and it's not like there it's not like there isn't a solution, you know, because they do fall back to the human rights code in Saskatchewan, mm -hmm. that yes, government-run facilities have to give access to transgender people. We get it, but but you don't have to let people with junk in a female in a girl's change room. You don't have to. You can give them another option. You can provide them with another option. So you're not prohibiting them from taking part in government-run facilities like a swimming pool. So, Mark, is it you your can fix reading? It. Right. Is it your reading, though, of this uh, transgender law or whatever, that the intenders of this law are saying that if you're a guy... You can go into a women's bathroom and you can show your stuff to little kids. Is that the reading, the correct reading of this right in Canada? Yep, that's that's what's happening. And and their answer when the parent asked the establishment, the management of the establishment, what was happening? Why did this happen to my girl? Their response was, well, anybody whoever who identifies as female can go into the female change room. What? Why? Why is that? Why is that happening? Why is that the answer? Why? Why is everybody so agreeable to all of this insanity? We have to. We have to learn how to say no to people, from time yeah. and, from time to time. You know, like so no, I'm, you're not I'm, allowed to show your junk to little girls. So you're going to go into that change room over there. That's for you. Yeah, creep. That's the end of the discussion. There's no more to there's no more to talk about. It's just it's phenomenal to me. Yeah. And and that are that we're not protecting, you know, what is right and 
it, it's it's just uh, it is shocking, and it's no wonder that so many things are going wrong in Canada in every area. Because once you begin mm. to remove uh, godly principles in a nation, once you begin to allow uh, perversion to to rule and to get away with it, and everybody just turns a blind eye, like they're all like you know, uh, and what a bunch of cowards! May I just throw in the word cowards? for people yeah, that will not 100%. put themselves in the firing line and say this far and no further. Whoever that person is should never be allowed there again. That should have been considered that it should be charged by the center because it happened where they yes. are. They should be protecting our children. Otherwise, guess what? We're not right. going anywhere near your facility because you guys are, are failing mm. grossly to protect kids. It's just right. horrible. But they should lose their business license. But it's our tax dollars that are funding these, these facilities. Because it's a government and so, place. And so we should feel comfortable going to government facilities. We should feel comfortable utilizing all of these places that, that my tax dollars paid for. Why should I be excluded by not going? Because you refuse to protect children. Why should Why should I be punished? Exactly. And, and I'm wondering if they would feel comfortable with that happening to their kids. Would it be different if it was their child? Right. I, I mean, no, what's going on? I always really. put myself in, hey, how would I feel? Do unto others as you would have others do to you. If I wouldn't want that happening to right. my family, my children, I would assume then that I would stand up for your children, somebody else. Why are they not having an instinctive, natural, protective you know, take actions mm. that are protective for kids. You know, you work right. for the government or not. Well, then I guess we got to sue the government. You know, I guess, no. I guess a mom like this, maybe, maybe she has to have her name out there and she needs to, to, you know, be compensated for pain and suffering for her child going through that. I yes. think she deserves money 100%. from the government. I think she Absolutely. deserves a lawsuit to be launched against these people and that they would have to compensate her for allowing her child to be in a, in a, in a bad position and doing nothing about it when notified. It's, right. it's, it's absolutely disturbing. Absolutely. Mark, you're so yep. amazing because you, I mean, you don't have to take this on and yet you are. And that's what I love about you. Thank you. Thank you for standing in But the I gap. have to. Yeah. I have to. You know. Because so many people won't. So I'll put there the target squarely on my back. I'll run I'll I'll run that interference and, yeah. and take the heat. Because and I have to. Kids are too important. Canada so loves you. You're the grizzly patriot and uh, where's the men? And uh, we were, you were saying, where's the men? And my husband's like, exactly, you know? And I appreciate that. Where's the men? Stand up for your daughters and your sons, for goodness sakes. No child needs to see this. It's, it's awful. I would never go. I would never pay any dime to this center. I would, if it was my kid, I would sue them. I would just be done. Like, we've got to take action or it just gets worse, right? The next person's allowed it. Absolutely. What if somebody wasn't there? What if this child was raped or, you know, assaulted physically? It's just, yeah. it's just awful. Or worse, or killed. Right, or killed. I mean, we're, we're talking about predators yes. that are more than capable of causing, you know, 
enough harm to a child to to end their life yeah why are we taking these kind of risks with these yeah. predators sue it's them just, it's, yeah. that's what i say i say yep. I say this 100%. family should sue them. And if it means your name gets out, well, yep. you just got to do what, what you got to do. But hopefully your child is deserving of protection. And these people are horrendous and misfits in I our agree. society. I, I can't stand it. So thank you, Mark. Thanks for what you're doing. You're I appreciate welcome. it. Let's talk again really My soon. My pleasure and duty. Okay. You betcha. Thank you. Thanks, Laura. Then. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> That's why I love traveling with Mark. And um, we did many cities across Canada as a team. We all traveled. We had Kayleen there and uh, my husband and and um, sometimes uh, Alicio, the band, uh, doctors. And we traveled through Canada to tell the truth about some of the things going on. And this, boy, do we ever have to stand Moving on, we have a video from, as we close up here, we've got a video from one of my favorite, um, Wolf. Oh, we have to say goodbye to YouTube for this if we do it. Um, anything else we can show if, before saying goodbye to YouTube? <clears throat> okay, let's, let's do that. So is this the G Germany producing sinister types of leaders? Okay, let's listen to the German Minister of Health, Karl Lauterbach, uh, speak of paving the way for climate lockdowns using COVID as an example, of course. Oh, you got to read it. Okay, so maybe I better get ready to read it then. Bewältigung des Klimawandels sei so in order to control climate change, it's necessary, in your words, he says the measures and personal freedom restrictions needed to contain the pandemic are also needed for climate change policy. Could you explain? For example, I am less able to travel because we need travel restrictions. Oh, how is that good? So we won't bring back the virus from other regions of the world where there are more infections, he says. A lot of things I enjoy doing. I cannot do at the moment because it's a public health threat. Oh, unless you want to be naked somebody's gym. Okay, I think we need certain restrictions, he says, to contain climate change. That means less travel is part of it as well. Unbelievable. I cannot even rule out that during the climate crisis, we could end up in a situation where we would have to prohibit certain things. But this is exactly what critics are afraid of, that the current corona measures are being used as a blueprint to introduce climate dictatorship, says the interviewer. The guy says, Oh, but those are conspiracy theories. <laughs> How? You just said that the corona measure should be an example for the even bigger climate catastrophe. <laughs> so it's just so good, isn't it? Like he said, oh, that's just a conspiracy theory after he just said, well, I think there's got to be less travel because, you know, we don't want the corona virus or viruses spreading from here to there. They don't want you traveling. They don't want you happy. They don't want you doing things to enjoy the bountiful world that God has given us. Oh, no. They want you locked out in your 15-minute city. Apparently, Edmonton is, like, going to want to try this out. How do, you, how do all you Edmontonians feel about that? 
You want the 15-minute city so you can go to your banker, you know, your doctor, your work, all within that tight little thing. And don't, you know, don't stray out. Get that electric car and we can shut down the grid at any moment. And don't use cash, right? We want you on a digital currency so we can shut that down at any time as well. Oh, yeah, it's all a conspiracy theory, isn't it? All a conspiracy theory. Well, so do we need to let go of YouTube? Let me, let me just say uh, we got something that we need to show and we need to do it over on Rumble, everybody. We sure do love you. Thank you for joining us um, today. We'll go over to Rumble every day, try to get in the habit actually of, um, of finding us on Rumble so that um, you, never, you never miss a thing because we don't get knocked off of there for telling the truth. So we'll say goodbye to YouTube. We love you. It's in the description. Go to rumble.com backslash Laura Lynn and... It's in the, okay, it's in the chat. Just go there and um, you can be there immediately. All right. And so we want to show this one more thing. And this is uh, Naomi Wolf. And take a look at what she's talking about. Infants and children under 12 were given the Pfizer mRNA COVID quote unquote vaccine seven months before pediatric approval and 71% of those kids suffered serious adverse events. If that's not shocking enough, these adverse events occurred in only a three-month period starting on December 1st, 2020, and at a time when no pediatric dose of the Pfizer product was approved for use at all in that time frame. Nonetheless, they illegally injected 61 children half of them under four years old with this injection. Um, and the, the doctors and the volunteer asked the question, what dose of Pfizer's mRNA vaccine was given to these children since no approved dose existed at that time? So important points in this report, a seven-year-old child experienced a stroke. Two children suffered facial paralysis. One infant had a kidney adverse event, either kidney injury or kidney failure. Of the 34 cases, 24 or 71% were classified as serious. Predominantly female patients were affected here too. 27 little girls or baby girls of 34 adverse event patients, and that's almost 80%. Table six reports 34 cases of use in pediatric individuals, but an additional 28 cases were excluded these are bad things, adverse events that happened unlawfully to children. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, you know, when you tie in what's happening to kids on this different level we've been talking about today, and you tie in the mismanagement and uncaringness, ha having absolutely, you know, no empathy, not considering children, allowing kids to die. We had Dr. Peter McCullough on yesterday and we put together the tweet that basically talks about him saying way more kids have died from this covid shot than have ever died from the covid virus right this is a problem what is going on in our world obviously we're going to have to protect the kids um so uh, American Thought Leaders reports that a top insurance analyst finds a 7% increase in aggregate mortality for each C19 dose received. These findings align with reports out of the UK. 
take a look. We pulled together an analysis that uses CDC data from the United States that compares the vaccination status um, ranked by the number of doses across regions in the United States and then compares that to whether to the amount of increase or decrease in mortality this year versus last. Mm -hmm. And if the vaccine was helpful, well, if the vaccine was neutral, there would just be no relationship between these two things. Mm -hmm. If the vaccine was helpful at reducing all-cause mortality, you would see that the more doses a region, you know, state, state of Vermont or Maine or, or Hawaii or, you know, Connecticut or something, someplace that's pretty highly vaccinated, you would see lower levels of mortality year over year because people got more vaccines than in other places, which who didn't do as much for whatever reason. Um, and you would see a, an improvement and you would see a line that slopes down to the right. Instead, when we did that analysis, and we cut it a number of different ways, we did it by different type of city and region, and, and we did it by uh, age group as well. So, right. so we did some thoughtful to make sure there wasn't a bias in it. But no matter which way you do it, what you end up seeing is, is the chart goes, the line that you create, a regression line, goes up and to the right, which is to simply to say that the more doses on average you have in a region within the United States, the bigger increase in mortality that region has had in 2022 when compared to 2021. And so that is a aggregate statistical tool that largely, I mean, it exactly confirms the conclusion out of the UK data. It's a different way of doing it. It's a totally different data set, but ultimately it leads to a very similar mathematical conclusion, which is a really unfortunate one because, you know, obviously hundreds of millions of us have, have, have you know, either personally or our friends and family and all society have to now deal with these consequences of what are the long-term health consequences relating to these. You know, and I'm, I'm obviously hopeful that we can, as a society, start to focus on those at, at, because that's, that's, that's the opportunity to try to solve this problem is, is focusing on health. So the interesting thing, uh, I remember having an insurance um, clip before of people that are in the insurance industry is that they are not political. They, they're not there for an agenda. They don't make money if they keep insuring people that are dying right? If there's a lot of people with life insurance claims and they're suddenly noticing that, you know, they're going higher and higher and they start looking into why is that happening? Because that's important. That's their bottom line money. You know, I suppose um, that Pfizer and Moderna should have invested some of their, their bargaining money, their bribery into insurance agencies because they're the ones feeling it at the bottom level. They're seeing the signs more people are dying. We're, we're having to pay out more life insurance claims, right? It's not about politics. It's not about big pharma. Not about your agenda. It's not about UN Agenda 2030. It's about we have to pay money when people die. A whole lot more people are dying. What's going on? So they start doing the investigation. I think it's fascinating. And it's going to keep showing the truth, isn't it? And these are the kind of clips you can get from our Flipboard every single day. All of this stuff that we show you, everything that you've seen today, uh, you know, that we've, that, you know, if it's a, if it's an article or a video, we put it on Flipboard and that is in the description underneath the video. So you can, so you can go and find this video. You don't have to send your friends my whole video. You can send them that little clip and go, Hey, um, you, you're about to get your third booster shot. Um, did you know that the data is showing that according to the booster shots increasing, so is the death increasing? Might be something you might want to consider. Another sad thing is this amazing farmer who's reporting that he's got to be throwing out all of this milk. You know how expensive milk is right now, right? 
Well, look what's happening. Hey guys, we're here at Hugenbo's Farm in uh, Southern Ontario. We milk about 260 cows. Uh, right now, during the winter months, you milk quite a bit more milk because the feed is very consistent. And as you do a good job, you will produce quite a bit of milk. So, but right now we're over our quota. Um, it's regulated by the government and by the DFO. But the problem is, is what they don't understand is millions of people look at this milk running away because it's the end of the month. So to, I have to dump, I dump 30,000 liters of milk and it breaks my heart. I will show you. By the way, this here, Canadian milk, it's $7 a liter. When I go for my haircut, people say, wow, $7, Jerry, for a little bit of milk. I say, well, you have to go higher up because we have no say anymore as a dairy farmer on our own farm because they, uh, they, they make us dump it. And no matter how we stand up, so this time I'm going public. I want the people to see the pain that us growers have. So I personally find that heartbreaking, just like he does. He's exposing it. What's happening? Does our government really care at all about us? You know, about what is actually going on? I don't think so. One thing that's really sad for British Columbia, take a look. We've got Hinshaw. We got double trouble with uh, Hinshaw's now here. She gets basically let go from Alberta because they woke up a little to the, you know, to the damage that these health ministers have caused. Loses her job in Alberta, heads over to our place, British Columbia. We don't want her here either. No. Her and Bonnie Henry tag teaming? Oh, endless problems. So sad, really. Like these are the vaccinate, vaccinate, vaccinate people. Doesn't matter if kids are dying. Doesn't matter if all the stats are showing that natural immunity is being destroyed. No, no. To Bonnie Henry and Dina Hinshaw, that is secondary to their gigantic paychecks. They're been, they've been bought. They're bribed. They lie. They're full of deception. And now our province, British Columbia, is worse for it. It's so sad they're here. It really is. We don't want you here. No one voted you in. No, no one said we wanted you. And now people, the uptake, by the way, for your dumb vaccines that don't work, never have, never will, uh, is, is really decreasing because people are getting the information. So we don't appreciate you. We know you're bought and paid for by deception and evil and big pharma and all the elites and whoever else you know, with your associations with Bill Gates. We know you worked for the who, whatever. You're just, you're just a disappointment. And now all we can say is we pray that you come to a, a place of true repentance so that we can forgive you, so we can move on and you can start making good decisions for people rather than your paychecks. Remember one thing, you two, Hinshaw and Henry, Remember one thing, that if they come for us, you will one day be on the chopping block. And history will show you to have been cowards in a moment when you could have been heroes. It's very sad. It really is. 
Candace Bergen, um, former interim conservative leader, is resigning from parliament. I just want to see what might be going on here. That's odd. I mean, that's quite a position for uh, Ms. Bergen to be in. In a video announcement posted on Twitter, Bergen said she submitted her letter of resignation on Wednesday. She thanked her constituents, colleagues, and family as she marked the end of her incredible, fulfilling 14 years as an MP. I'm choosing to leave now, not because I'm tired or I've run out of steam. In fact, it's the exact opposite, she said in a video. I feel hopeful and re-energized. <clears throat> really. Bergen said she is optimistic about the future of the strong and united Conservative Party under the courageous and principled leadership of Pierre Polyev. Well, now... I don't know how courageous and principled he's been. He did not stand with the truckers until way late, never came down to meet anybody, uh, told everybody to get their vaccines, told everybody to, you know, complain to the Liberal government that they weren't having more vaccines, right? Pierre Polyev totally believes in child transitioning, totally believes in, you know, respecting the transgenders being in the the women's bathrooms, totally never says a word about it. Not a word will he speak on this. Um, promotes the LGBTQ agenda, as you can see by who, whom he chooses to have around him, rather than protecting women, protecting Canadians. Uh, he's been late to the game on a lot of things. Just wanted to add that. But she had previously said that she would not be running in the next federal election. She has represented the Manitoba riding of Portage Liscar, uh, since 2008, Bergen was named interim, but so she's energized. I'm looking for Bergen was previously a cabinet minister in Stephen Harper's government and served as opposition house leader under the term after 14 years as an MP. I'm looking forward to the next chapter of her life. Well, that's interesting. I don't know what's going on. I hope she does well. I believe that she is, uh, you know, she's one of the ones that has stood um, I, I don't have anything good to say about the Conservative Party of Canada at this point. Um, they've definitely allowed some of the things to happen that have happened. They're going to still em embrace climate nonsense. So I know uh, many of you watching this, you're going to vote for Pierre Polyev uh, because you are so desperate to get rid of, um, Pierre, of Pierre Trudeau, <laughs> of Justin Trudeau. The whole Trudeau bunch, right? I, I get it. You're going to do it. Just understand, it's still a long, slow, painful disaster. It's a longer uh, term. We hope that some things might be slowed because of that. But this whole thing that we're facing in Saskatchewan with transgender dudes in the male bathrooms, uh, you think Pierre Polyev will ever say one word in the protection of children and females? Don't count on it. That's not who he is. You want that kind of leadership? You'll have to look elsewhere. And you already know that I think that the People's Party of Canada would say something. That Maxime Bernier would speak because he already has. He's been right on every single thing. Do I think that he's getting in? It's going to be a, a tough uphill climb. But here's how I am. Love me or leave me. I don't, I don't compromise with my votes. I don't want to vote for somebody that is still going to compromise our country morally, spiritually, financially, 
climate nut nuttiness, UN Agenda 2030 stuff. It's full. It's ripe in the Conservative Party. It came in because of Stephen Harper. We have a problem, but that's okay. We're going to stand together and get through this together. Was there anything else, JT? Cost of living, yep, go ahead, put that one up. So this is a cost of living protest this last weekend in the UK. Uh, their prices, their food, they're experiencing exactly what we're going through, and they're out on the streets. Are we? <laughs> is it worse for them? Why? Why are they on the streets protesting cost of living when, like we, London is expensive, right? So, so they're ahead of us basically in feeling the pain. Uh, you know, as I think what we're saying. My name's Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson. Absolutely love you guys. Thank you for being here. Uh, do we have an update latest on um, on Pastor Archer in? Oh, they're coming back tomorrow. Okay, so there's not going to be a decision that P Pastor Archer will not know um, his demise. Look at my hair constantly like just doing this weirdness here. Um, uh, so we're, he's not going to know whether, you know, he's going to be convicted or not for some time and they've taken a break. Uh, he was on Bannon yesterday and I, I think that's wonderful. Bannon is somebody you should all watch, B-A-N-N-O-N. -N -N. I'm sure you know who he is. Steve Bannon, um, incredible guy standing up for what is, uh, right and good. Um, hmm. I want to, well, let's go to my website, laurelin.tv. Thank you very much. Um, days like this are hard. It's just so much bad information. I mean, Dr. Ann Gilley's story that she went through in her family, so difficult, and yet that is what we are seeing. The rise in pedophilia and the attack on our children, it's just absolutely disturbing, and it breaks my heart. And then we've seen that a, a baby... At 38 weeks, I mean, full term is 40 weeks. 38, that's a viable baby that could be born no problem and live. A little boy. He's been given an, an injection. He's been terminated today. He's been killed and murdered in Canada. I'm not happy. I don't love, I don't like this stuff. I don't like it at all. What's going on, you know? Little kids being sexually assaulted by a visual, um, you know, view of somebody's stuff. Like, where is the stand? We have got to, some of us need to repent if you've been any part of this evil that has come. Many of us were, we've been sorry for a long time. You know, some people say we have to do a national repentance. I've, I've been to a lot of church services and we've repented on behalf of so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. <laughs> I am not guilty of any of this. So I don't necessarily, I'm not feeling the need to repent. I'm feeling the need to stand for righteousness. I'm going to do that the best I can. Every day, putting this horrible stuff out so that we'll know, because without knowledge, the people perish. Yeah. 
I'm going to be here doing that kind of thing. If you value that, this is a hard show today. If you value what I do and you want to help me, my little team, I'd love it if you'd go to our page, make a donation. It means a lot. If you can, it means a lot. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, there was a time when Paul and, and them, they were dealing with incest. And um, it's interesting that I've also at night been listening through. Uh... So last night I listened through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and I was on to Deuteronomy. It played all night. I woke up to Deuteronomy 14, basically. I thought it was fantastic, but at different times in the night, I heard different parts of it. Um, and it deals with that. It, I mean, it is a forbidden thing to ever have an incestuous relationship. That is forbidden by God. It is deemed perverse and a sin. And harming children, better that you would have something tied around your neck and be thrown in the ocean than to ever harm a child. God help you if, if you're listening right now and you are a predator, repent, stop it now, stop. Never do it again. Go before God. If you've been hurting anyone, stop now. Leave the place that you're hurting anyone. Never be part of this because God will get you for that. He will get you. Stop what you're doing. And for those who can protect children and can stand in the gap for our nation, do so. That's what Paul had to do. They were talking about all these laws in uh, Deuteronomy. And in fact, um, you know, when I woke up in Deuteronomy 14 or so, God is saying, you know, follow my laws. You have been an obstinate people. Like when the children of Israel left Egypt, they kind of took part of Egypt with them. They had all of this sin in their lives. They were obstinate, stubborn. They didn't have faith in God. They were hardened. They, they, they had hardened necks, uh, is what God said. You are a stiff-necked people, he said, right? And he was just working with them, working with humanity. And nothing's changed, you know, 6,000 years later, and we are still a stiff-necked people. And Paul was dealing with a case of incest, and in 1 Corinthians 5, he says, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. Isn't that interesting? He's saying, this is to the church, that their sexual immorality, the kind that even pagans do not tolerate. Wow. Well, it looks like the pagans are tolerating pretty much everything now. A man is sleeping with his father's wife, and you are proud? Exclamation mark. Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this? For my part, even though I am not physically present, I am with you in spirit. As one who is present with you in this way, I have already passed judgment in the name of our Lord Jesus on the one who has been doing this. You know, we all talk about, oh, don't judge, don't judge. Well, you know, you got to have all of that in context. I mean, you shouldn't go around calling everybody down or trying to judge everyone's soul. But we get judged on our actions every single day. That's what a police officer does. If you're speeding, he's going to judge you as a speeder and he's going to give you a ticket. And a judge, if you're doing something wrong, you go before a judge, he gets to judge you. 
So it's not true that there's just no judgment in this lifetime. There is judgment. And, and Paul is saying that he's been there. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, he was judging this. So when you are assembled, I am with you in spirit and in the power of our Lord Jesus is present. Hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. you tomorrow. You know, it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing, but for some of us, we feel that we have no choice. Because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked, and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support. I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.lauralyn.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me.